Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back to the final four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, and we're here to preview the Maryland game, the last game of the season. Uh, Rod, they're 80th in Ken Palm, 15 and 15 overall, 7 and 12 in the league. Uh, Michigan State's now fallen to 43rd in Ken Palm. Um, so, <laughs> dropping quickly. Um, they're 66 on offense and 102 on defense. What are we looking at coming into to Maryland last home game of the uh, of the year senior day? Um, a lot to think I, about coming into this one, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, clearly, it's it's very basic for Michigan State. You you need to win a game to start with, just to feel a little better about yourself. Anybody, and I don't know that there are any or many people saying this, but Michigan State's in the tournament. It's just at, at this point, it's what what kind of shape do you go into the tournament in? Because mm-hmm. uh, right now, it's obviously we, we've seen it's teetering on the edge of total despair. And I'm not just even talking about the fan base. I'm talking about the players. I'm talking about Izzo in terms of the things that they've been saying. And, and it's totally rational for them to talk that way because the last two games have been just out and out disasters mm-hmm. after, you know, after a really good effort against Purdue at home, um, Maryland, getting back to Maryland, they are seven and 12 in the league. They've won two in a row though, mm-hmm. uh, at home. They beat Ohio state impressively. And then they beat Minnesota. Uh, but it's, it's clearly been a lost season for that program. And just to remind people early December, Mark Turgeon quit which was basically him getting out of town ahead of the posse because the way things were shaping up, it was pretty obvious it was going to be his last year regardless of whether he pulled the trigger or waited for the school to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very disappointing season for Maryland. Uh, They they came in with a lot of optimism. I think some people, and I wouldn't even totally put myself outside of this group, saw them as a potential dark horse to contend for the Big Ten championship, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. And and the reason was they brought some key guys back from a, a team that was pretty good at the end of last season, Eric Ayala and Dante Scott in particular, but a, a handful of other guys as well. And then they added, and, and I'm going to preface this by saying, for all those who think that the portal is – the cure to all that ails you Maryland is your <laughs> cautionary tale. Yeah. Cause they added two of the biggest names in the portal. Fats Russell, who had been an all Atlantic 10 guard at Rhode Island and, uh, Wahib, the big kid from Georgetown who had been very good there. So guys that were coming in from good programs, it wasn't, you know, mid major trying Rhode Island technically, 
is like a mid-major plus, but it's not like you're transferring him from the Ohio Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not that kind of situation. These were guys who had done some things at a high level, and people made assumptions that well, that was Maryland's problem last year. They didn't have a real point guard, and they didn't have any size. Well, now they've added a six eleven kid who can play, and they've added a point guard. They're going to take off. Did not happen, and that was even before the coaching change. It was part of the reason why Turgeon quit is he could see the handwriting on the wall early mm-hmm. that hey, this team is not it. And so ever since then, Danny Manning's been the interim. He's not going to get the full time job. It remains to be seen who does. It's going to be very interesting, but they've struggled because obviously they're sort of a rudderless ship and their team wasn't as good or as coherent as they'd hoped anyway. So seven and 12, you know, they're either going to be eight and 12 or seven and 13. And, um, you know, that, but that's what can happen in the portal. Even when you get the guys that you want to get, even when you land them, it's not, and, and I'm not saying that, to tell Michigan State people, hey, the portal can't solve anything. I don't, I don't want to see Michigan State go and get any transfers next year. Far from that. I think Michigan State needs to. But it is to say, even if you do that and even if you get the guys you target, it doesn't necessarily mean that it works. You know? Yeah. So, that case in point, Maryland. Maryland with a less talented team, quote-unquote talented, uh, last season was much better than this group has been. Mm-hmm. Goes to show. And defense, or I'm sorry, offense 66. Um, you know, 32, almost 33 percent from three. Um, yeah, so not that, lighting the world the on fire, but that, you no, know, that's the weakness. They don't shoot well. Mm-hmm. 182 in two point percentage. Right. 75 uh, right. percent from the line, but they do get there a lot, and we've talked about them being <laughs> annoying you. Uh, to the nth degree with their fullback ugly, dives to the rim. <laughs> ugly basketball, and that has not changed. And it's honestly, it's the only reason their offense is ranked even as well as it is, mm-hmm. is because of that, because they still get to the line a fair amount, and they shoot free throws well. Without that, we're talking about a sub-100 offense easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then turnover percentage, 97th on offense, and they re- oh, they do not re- offensive rebound very well, 192 Right. See, there's no, there are no strengths there except for the free throw line. Mm-hmm. That's really it. And we'll come back to that in the keys. Uh, so, and they're slow too. 261. Yeah, that's so, not unusual. They were always slow on detergent too, yeah. so that has not changed. Defense uh, struggles even worse. 102 in the country. Um, and they give up a ton of threes. Uh, 110th in the country against twos. Um, and they don't defensive rebound very well either, 145 on that. Yep. Other than that, though, they're great. <laughs> they, don't, they don't generate turnovers. They're not that kind of defense either. Um, yeah, they're just, they're, there is not a lot to like with the Maryland defensive effort. They're very vulnerable on the perimeter. And, you know, and that was the thing. Last year, at least, that was their saving grace. They were very, and if you remember that team headed by Daryl Morsel, who's the defensive player of the year and the captain, mm-hmm. they were very tough to operate against in the half court, and they didn't typically let you run. You remember, they, they flat handled Michigan State twice 
during during a period where MSU was at their best. The regular season, MSU lost to them right in that same time frame where they were beating top five teams, uh-huh. where they had that run where they beat Michigan, Illinois, and uh, Ohio State. Um, they played Maryland and got handled. I believe it was at Maryland. And then they played Maryland in the Big Ten tournament after they'd beaten those teams and got handled again. And Maryland was an extremely tough team by that point in the season. I mean, they were, they were the, it was the only time I could ever say this about a Mark Turgeon team. They were gritty. I mean, that group did not give an inch. They were physical. They were hard to play against. They weren't gifted offensively, but they did enough there and they really checked. And that ended up making them a very tough team by the end of the season. This group has not had that, those components. Mm -hmm. So if we get into the players, Rod, um, you look at Fats Russell, uh, he's leading them in scoring, 14.9 points a game, 4.1 rebounds, uh, shooting 41% from the floor, 34% only from three, and 77 from the line. Yeah, his he's an example of, I think, stats not – the sur- stats on the surface not really giving you the complete picture. Yeah, because he's three point six assists to two point four turnovers, which is there's uh, a big number. He he's he's the guy who is supposed to make this team more dynamic offensively, mm-hmm. be you know uh, be a catalyst for for better offensive production. And when I look at him. I don't see that kind of player and the stats in that area, at least bear that out. He's not that kind of player. He's a streaky scorer. I would not describe him. Well, the numbers tell you he's not a great shooter, Mm -hmm. but he is a guy who is fully capable of hitting, you know, a contested 22 footer in a big moment. He's got that in him. Um, He draws a lot of fouls. With his quickness, he's he's good in that area. But um, I would say, to me, he is, this season, he is mostly the definition of empty stats. Mm-hmm. The production is there to a level that you might look at it and say, well, he, he hasn't been great, but he's been okay. He's been decent. He's their leading scorer. You know, it has not led to winning. Mm-hmm. And that was the people who questioned it. And there weren't, there was a lot of positive praise when Maryland got him in the portal. And, they, and in fairness to them, they went to him and targeted him after Tyson Walker committed to Michigan state. Maryland was in on Tyson Walker it was Michigan state, Kansas, and Maryland. So Russell was the guy they went to next. And it got a lot of praise because he had been a flashy player. I don't, I don't know if he, I can't recall if he was a 10 player of the year, or just a first team, a 10 player, but he had had a, a lot of accolades at Rhode Island, mm-hmm. but there was a small group of people who said, I recall this because I hadn't seen a ton of him. There were a small group of people who had said, Hey, this guy is not what you think he is. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy who really leads a team to winning. And that's been borne out, you know, yeah. He on the surface he makes you look better, but when you get down to what wins and loses games, he's not he's not a guy who leads you to the winner's circle often enough. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also interesting that he didn't wind up 
following her lead. You know? Oh, to UConn? Yeah. Because what he, yeah. Hurley would have been the one that recruited him and, and had him on the yeah. team for a little while there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah, you want – I mean, that, not that that's – you know, sometimes guys feel comfortable in the, in the school and, it you know, mm-hmm. most of the time we think about guys being more attached to the coach and, and there's truth to that. But, yeah, it's a, it's a thought, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Uh, and then you got Eric Ayala. 14.4 points a game. Uh, he's playing a ton. Four of these guys play a ton of minutes. Um, yep. 33 minutes a game. But he does get in some rebounds. 4.6 rebounds. Um, you know, he shoots 38% from the floor, 34 from three, which is kind of where most of these guys are sitting. And yeah. um, 68% from the line. He's he's dropped off in his scoring. When, when Michigan State saw them the first time, which seems like a long time ago, Um that game that was won by Malik Hall, mm-hmm. if, if you recall. Yeah. Uh, Ayala was up well above 16 points a game, I believe, and was leading them in scoring. So he's really he's really dropped off. And, you know, again, Ayala is a guy who's sort of been, as a shooter, has been feast or famine throughout his career. He's had years earlier on where he looked like, oh, this is a plus 40% guy, but the last couple of years, it's been more of a struggle. 34%, not a disaster, but it does go to show you that there's been a lack of consistency. He, like Russell, though, is a guy who gets himself to the foul line a fair amount. Mm-hmm. So he, he can produce from there. Uh, what I've noticed this year, which has been, I think, indicative of, of why Maryland has been where they're at, is despite being a, a productive scorer and, you know, a key guy for them, certainly in my opinion, at least, and this is just somebody who doesn't see every second of every Maryland game. But when I, what I've observed is Ayala has looked much more detached than I remember him. Mm-hmm. I remember him being a guy like last year who seemed really locked in. And I don't see that this year. And that's understandable. You have a coaching change, Things aren't going the way you expected they would your senior year, you know, all that. There's there's reason for it, I suppose, but it's been noticeable to me. Mm-hmm. Like, he does not look like the same guy, attitudinally. Yeah. Uh, and then Dante Scott, uh, 12.5 points a game, 6.2 rebounds, which uh, leads them. Mm-hmm. And 42% from the floor, 29% from three, 78 from the line. Yeah, that that 29% from three is, I think, maybe the key reason why he hasn't had quite as good a year as I thought he might. If you go back to the end, and and also that his role has changed. I don't think it's Mm -hmm. helped him. If you go back to last season, they were playing Dante Scott at the five at a necessity a lot, the majority of the time. And he was a nightmare for teams to defend because he was shooting the three well, and yet, if you extend it out on him, he's he's built like a p- modern power forward. He's six seven, but he's big. He's probably two thirty five, two forty. But he has a very good handle and a good ability to go to the rim off the dribble. So he he had become by the end of last season uh, one of the tougher covers in the conference. Quietly, not mm-hmm. a lot of people recognized it. I sure did because he absolutely tortured Michigan State in those two late season meetings I mentioned earlier. Uh, I thought he perhaps 
would be even better is more a more natural position at the four. It hasn't worked out that way. And I think you can trace some of that to the fact that he just hasn't been as nearly as good a threat from deep. So it's taken that element away. A guy shoots 29% from three. If he wants to pull up and hoist one, you're probably going to make him prove that he's on mm-hmm. before you guard him. And so if you can sag off him, that makes him less effective than he was last season. Even so, he's still a guy in any given game who's capable of producing. Uh, he's a good rebounder for guys' size, as you mentioned. He leads them. Um, and he was a guy, you know, again, it's kind of disappointing. I think when Morsel opted to transfer to Marquette, it really took their identity away from them because these guys like Ayala and Scott, who were gritty, tough locked in players at both ends last year mm-hmm. are not that this year. And so there are lots of reasons for that, but you know, or potential reasons for that, but the reality is not debatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got Hakeem Hart, uh, 10 points a game, three and a half rebounds, uh, 53% from the floor, 34 from three and 85 at the line. Yeah. Uh, Hart to me is a guy who his primary a uh, positive attribute is as a shooter and he's been inconsistent as a shooter. So therefore how much he's helped them has been mm-hmm. up and down. Yeah. Yeah. And those four guys play the primary minutes. Uh, and then they got at the five Wahad, um, Wahab, eight, but he only eight points a game, 5.8 rebounds, six, 56 from the floor. It doesn't, hasn't taken a shot from three and then 67 from the line. Yeah, he's been he's been okay, but he was billed as a guy who would be much better than okay. Mm-hmm. You know, they were looking for him to be a guy who could stand up to the Dickinsons, the Edie and Williams, the Coburns, and give Maryland an interior presence. Maybe not be quite as productive as those guys, but at least be able to stand toe-to-toe with them, and that has not happened. He hasn't been terrible. He just, you know, you read those numbers. They're, they're kind of pedestrian. Mm-hmm. For yeah. a guy who there was, a, you know, a lot of expectation around when they added him in the portal. Uh, and then you got Xavier Green, um, 2.3 points a game, 35 from the floor, 35 from 360 from the line. Yeah, he was a transfer, um, and... Uh, has has been really their primary one of their two primary guys uh, off the bench um was brought in as a ironically as a guy who was supposed to be a defensive stopper and uh you know nobody on maryland has been much of a defensive stopper but he's played <laughs> okay he shot decently mm-hmm. uh and then the freshman julian reese um 5.9 points a game 46 from the floor 31 from 380 from the line but he gets yeah, some rebounds, he, four four point four rebounds. He's it, man. If there's one reason to have optimism, if you're a Maryland fan, because the, the the thing that's true about this team is not only are they not good, they're not young either. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys are veterans. Um, Julian Reese would be the guy to hang your hat on. The only thing you got to be concerned about is. You know, in a coaching change, does he stick around? Mm-hmm. You know, but he actually shows potential. Those numbers aren't spectacular, 
and and offensively he's fallen off a little bit as the you know he's hit a freshman wall the season has gone along but there is real potential there because he's got length and he has shown the potential to be a good face-up threat as well so i think you could be looking maybe at something of a poor man stick smith type player Mm -hmm. down the line i mean i could see that i could see him as an upperclassman or maybe even as soon as next year really blossoming into a double-digit score, a guy who can go out and lead you in rebounds and maybe even provide some rim protection. He definitely he definitely has a lot of tools and a lot of potential. I think, again, the, the thing you fear if you're a Maryland fan is, in a coaching change, do you keep him? That, that's that got to be uh, job one for whomever a new coach is going to be is re-recruit, re-recruit Reese to make sure that you keep him because – that that would be a nice piece to have going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ian Martinez, uh, he gets about 13 minutes a game, 2.9 points a game, um, 31 from the floor, 26 from 370 from the line. Assists, uh, not so good, 1.2 to almost one turnover. So- and he was another transfer, I believe, I believe from Utah, I think, and um, just hasn't really panned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maryland's bench, they don't play a ton of minutes, and the reason they don't play a ton of minutes is they don't do a ton of producing. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's probably about all we'll see unless yeah. there's some massive foul trouble or something. They just don't play very many guys. Right. Um, so the first key, Rod, senior day. This is yeah, a big deal and- for Michigan State. I mean, this is a big tradition for them. It's for everyone, but it seems like they have a little bit more. Michigan State on it. makes a little more of it for for a couple reasons. One is that is an obvious one. Michigan State's been a winning program, and the vast majority of time uh, that they play these games, Michigan State is, comes out on top. Um, you know, we can all think about because every year, really, there's an emotional scene, but there's some mm. big ones. You know, um, you know, most recently, I think two years ago. Uh, with Cassius Winston, yeah, um, where you had, I'm trying to remember, was there a senior last year? Josh Langford, I guess. Yeah, and that had some emotion attached to it because of all the things that Josh went through in his career. But, you know, you go back to the year before that, that was the last game they played. Mm-hmm. It was a big win over Ohio State. I mean, they, they blew him out. Cash played great, and, you know, that was obviously a, a big, big deal to see him go through that after one of the all-time great MSU careers. And we can all, you know, you can go back to, you go back to 2000, the the massive blowout of Michigan on senior day and, you know, Mateen Cleaves setting the single game assist record and, mm-hmm. you know, Morris, Ian Morris Peterson going through that. And obviously the other thing besides the winning and, and all of that is the tradition that Michigan state has, which Really, I, I can't think of any other program that has anything quite like it. The the kissing of center court, um, either the S or the Spartan helmet, depending upon what year it is and what the floors look like. Mm. A tradition that was started in 1994, but kind of impromptu by Sean Respert. I don't think he had any idea what he was doing. And uh, it ended up becoming something that has been followed through by I think every Spartan who's graduated since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was at the senior day uh, three or four years ago and it was special. The whole crowd stayed, you know, 
Yeah. Fair. And they just happened to also be a de facto um, winner of the Big Ten Big, that year. So. Big Ten, right. And, and and that's the other thing, too, is that sometimes – and you're right, they do the – it's worth pointing that out. They do the presentation after the game. And so most of the time, not always, if I remember correctly, Draymond Green senior year, they lost to Ohio State in a very tough game that cost them the outright Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. That one was a little more somber. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but oftentimes – it does happen to coincide. I mean, what's his, I want 10 big 10 championships, I think. Yeah. So you figure, you know, once every 2.5 years, you're also raising a banner mm-hmm. as part of that too. So yeah, it, it, it has special connotations that not every school has. Yeah. So what, what I mean by that is there's all of that coming around, all the emotion around it and everything you hope that they, these guys, because I'm assuming at least some of them who are, it's possible, could end their Spartan careers actually do, uh, you want to make sure that these guys go off with a with a pleasant memory. Mm-hmm. You know, this has been a tough road the last, especially the last month. Yeah. And, and you want for them, because again, all criticism of play at times aside, uh, I don't think anybody's questioned that they've been good guys in, in a couple of those instances. I, from what I understand, um, they've made remarkable strides as students mm-hmm. from where they were when they came in to the, to the way that they have achieved in the classroom since. I think they've, they've done all the things that we all profess to want from the program. And so for that, they should be appreciated and they, and they Mm -hmm. deserve a good send off. So I hope they get that. And this class more than any has really bore the brunt of this whole COVID thing. I mean, there's, there's truth to that too. There's truth to that too. You're right. Because they basically, they had a sophomore year that looked like it, it could culminate potentially even in a national championship. I mean, I think, if you went back and looked at the, not that this proves or means anything, but if, if you, if you went back and looked at the tone of coverage at the time the season ended, Michigan state probably would have been picked by more people than anybody else to win it all. Yeah. Again, I guarantees nothing, but that's where they were. They had rallied from kind of a mid season lull were playing extreme. I mentioned the senior day, they blew out a good Ohio state team. Uh, they were primed. So it seemed to repeat what they had done the year prior when they went to the final four, maybe go a step beyond that. Yeah. So they were robbed of that. Then they had an off season that really wasn't where they couldn't do anything to work heading into their junior years. Um, had the season that they had last year, which was a struggle. And then, you know, this season they got back to a more normal off season, but it's before your last go around. So you're right. They've been as disrupted as you could be really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the second key rod is tempo. We mentioned yeah, how I, much, how much they play their starters, heavy, heavy minutes. Yep. And they want they, they need a slow paced game for that reason. You know, mm-hmm. they don't want to expend a lot of energy running up and down the floor. So if you're Michigan State, besides the fact that it gets you easy points, of course, we always say this, the other 
impact of it is if you can run consistently is um, you're going to wear the other team down. Yeah. And, and that's why you want to see MSU getting into transition. It's been a very difficult thing to do. The only time we've really seen it over the last month, I would say, is because uh, this started this started maybe longer than that, maybe six weeks. The trouble really started even before MSU started losing games. It was even during those last few wins that they had when they were still going well they were having trouble getting into transition. So that's been an issue for a while. It's not a total shocker because that's what tends to happen in the big 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the only time we've seen it really clicking over the last month, six weeks was the Purdue game. And if you remember, it came about in an unusual way for MSU. It was the result of a lot of live ball turnovers that they forced. So I don't know yeah. that you can count on that again, because it's not something that they, they try to do. It's not something that typically happens. Um, but uh, one way or another, it would be the MSU's advantage to get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then three boards, which we've been harping yeah. on all year. But Maryland's a poor rebounding team, so they should be able to maybe find something in themselves to <laughs> there, get this there done. Was, on paper, there would seem to be an opportunity. Now, I will say, the last two – I don't know how much you can – take from this but uh the last two games they played uh they they did a decent enough job neither michigan nor ohio state really did a lot of damage on the boards the problem is they didn't really have to because and everything else you go back to the purdue win michigan state held up okay Mm -hmm. purdue had like a 30.4 percent offensive rebounding rate which is is not indicative of you having done a great job, but it was not a disaster by any means. And and Purdue is a very good offensive rebounding team. So that was a pretty good performance. So you could say over the last three, they've been at least marginally better than mm-hmm. they've been most of the year. Uh, this would be a game where because of the opponent, if you want to win and you're coming into senior day with energy, uh, you know, there's an opportunity to maybe actually control the boards. You know, there is an opportunity here, whether they're, they're capable of taking advantage of it or not. I have no idea. We'll see, Mm -hmm. but the opportunity would seem to be there. Uh, And then the fourth key um, is MSU has a big advantage from three in this one. Most of um, Maryland's guys are sub 35. Yeah. Uh, In both to some extent, the Michigan game, but especially the Ohio State game, Michigan State actually shot well. Yeah, from three. Yeah, they did. And Michigan, the Ohio State game, they're fifty percent on decent volume. I mean, they shot very well. It just they did nothing else well enough to compete. Um, they come into this one on paper, at least, with a very clear advantage mm-hmm. over Maryland. So, if you're looking for a Michigan State win, you you have to assume that it's going to be in part because they, they actually made that advantage manifest in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the fifth key defend without fouling. Um, yeah, they can, they have a real t- hard time struggling if they don't get to the, to the line and they're a hard time scoring. And Michigan yeah, state that, at times has been really good at not fouling. Um, they have, this has been, it's actually, again, there've been a lot of issues. But the issues that have cropped up, especially lately, 
have not been the ones that have been typical mm-hmm. for his whole teams. It's why it's one of the reasons why it's been so confounding and, and difficult to understand what's going on. Because normally when MSU struggles in, in this era, it's been, well, turnovers have been excessive. They really haven't been, despite what I think people think, during, especially during this recent, you know, six of seven run, turnovers have not been a big problem. Yeah. Look at the numbers if you don't believe me. They haven't been, they, now they haven't been great, but they haven't been the issue. Mm-hmm. They haven't been abnormally high, and they haven't been the cause of losses. They really haven't. Um, another thing that's often been a problem at times over the years is, well, Michigan State fouls too much, and the opponents get free too many free points at the line. Again, this team pretty much all year has not been as foul prone. Now, early <laughs> on, that looked like a real strength mm-hmm. because they were defending at a very high level. They were a top twenty defensive team without fouling. That's great. That's you know that's ideal. Um, you might be able to make an argument that where they've settled in, which is not a top twenty defense, that maybe it's reflective of something negative. Mm-hmm that they haven't been as prone to playing with physicality. You know, yeah. you could make that argument, like but regard, <laughs> yeah, regard, right. Is it reflective of a problem? I, I don't know. That's the, you can, you could debate that, but I think the bottom line is within this game, really the only thing Maryland does well offensively is, is get to the line. Mm-hmm. They draw a lot of contact and they convert at a pretty good rate, like 75 percent roughly if you can manage to limit good shots while not fouling which is a easy something easier said than done but if you can do it um you got a great chance at holding them way down Mm -hmm. because it's without that they're gonna if they don't have that to lean on they've got to do some things very unusual for them they've got to be shooting threes at a much better rate than they normally do somebody's got to be going off inside you know things that they just can't count on because they haven't been consistent for them all year Mm -hmm. so if msu can do that successfully they their chances of winning go way up okay well this one is uh 4 30 on cbs nationally televised game wow what a what a great drawing card for ratings this one is (laughs) yeah when they when trust me when cbs scheduled that when they Mm -hmm. looked at the schedule I mean, they probably banked on a couple of top five in the conference teams, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it has not it has not worked out that way. But you know, MSU will take the opportunity to hopefully show an audience something better than what they've demonstrated lately. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that and get the post game up after this one. Um, until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. <laughs> At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.